Hey there, boys and girls. It's Ralph Garman, and you're listening to Talking Codswallop. Good choice. Hello, everybody. This is Ming Chen from AMC's Comic Book Man. You might know me from the Tell Him Steve Day podcast and the I Sell Comics podcast. Listen, I love podcasting. I love talking, but what I really love doing is talking Codswallop. Hey, I'm Alicia Witt. I'm Daniel Portman from Game of Thrones. I play Podrick Payne. I'm Ellipses, and you're listening to the talking... Okay. <laughs> I'm Mark Bernard, and you're listening to the Talking Codswallop Podcast. Hey, man, it's Kevin Smith, Silent Bob, whose voice you were never used to hearing in the 90s until I started opening it up, man. And that's because I'm a podcaster, and you're listening to a podcast, Talking Codswallop, right here, man. Okay, and welcome to this week's Talking Codswallop. It's going to be a bit of a different one this week, because Gemma has been kind enough to hand the reins over to me to uh, decide on what we're going to be discussing, and it could well be wonderful, or it could be the longest suicide note in history. (laughs) So, we'll see how it goes. Uh, I am, of course, James. Uh, oh, we've never done it this way before, have we? So, yeah. and I was going to let you go, and then I was going to go last. Okay, cool. as always. okay no problem. I thought to myself, well, if you want to step up a pace, you know. <laughs> okay, well, clearly I'm a slightly confused jammer. <laughs> and I'm on the game, on the ball, as ever, Andy. <laughs> what, you, you're on the game? Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I'm still not swallowing. That's that's still my rule. <laughs> and it's a good rule to take because you don't want to get pregnant, Andy. Exactly. <laughs> now, in a completely different vein, because we've got into some very dark uh, territory discussing uh, Andy doing that, uh, I'm going to take us to a fun, happy, fluffy time where we are going <laughs> to all discuss something which is going to be quite interesting, which I'm hoping means the listeners can feel closer to us. You know, part of the Codswallop family. And we were going to discuss our earliest and possibly funniest childhood memories. We are, but are we going to do what a load of Codswallop first, though? We, Yeah, if you want to do what a load of Codswallop first, yeah. I thought that's <laughs> what you said. <laughs> that's what we just discussed hey, before we... Uh, I'm keeping on the ball, guys, so, uh, so let's do what a load of Codswallop first. Uh, Gemma, you can go first on that one. <laughs> okay, well, this week I have got some Codswallop Ooh. to discuss. And in true, well... Like Andy surprised us last week. I have three. <laughs> awesome. Yeah. So, so first one is uh, it's actually it's been a really good week. So actually, it's really hard to actually think that I would have any codswallop this week, but I do. So <laughs> I was driving back from London, which we'll get on to in a bit. Uh, the reason why I was in London, and uh, yeah, I I was on on the motorway and I noticed that I had 19 miles of petrol left. I have 50 miles of uh, road left to drive on. So obviously I had to stop. On a mathematical standpoint, you cannot keep going, can you? No, no, definitely not. Maybe for 25 miles, but not for 50. So anyway, so I stopped at the services and then I was absolutely shocked 
at the fact that the what we usually pay for petrol at the services was almost double, if not actually double, the amount yeah. of um, cost, basically. Yeah, so for those who are not quite sure what a services is, so, you know, in our town... They can Google it, like you said last time. I like it. Yeah. It's- Puts the box down, step <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> yeah get back in your corner. <laughs> yeah. Levi. <laughs> so basically, the evil petrol god had held you to ransom knowing that you were their last, uh, that, you know, basically they were your last bastion of help at this point, which is generally what yeah. happened to all these service stations, though. They absolutely exploit the needs of people, don't they? Yeah, yeah, exactly. And if you take, right, we're putting into kind of perspective a little bit with regards to, like, monetary side of things. When I was in London for two days, it cost me around about £150. Mm-hmm. Like I was spending money and travel and whatnot. When I paid for that petrol, it cost me 60 How many litres did you put in? A full tank. So, Which is and what, I've, 40, 50? Uh, I'm not 100% sure because I'm not really that technically minded, but I have only got... I have... <laughs> you cruel bastard, keep going. <laughs> I have only got a one litre car. So it's it's yeah. not a massive car, basically. But still, what would normally cost me about 40 quid yeah. cost me 60 quid. I was going to say, and it's, 60 quid is a lot on a one... Now that you've you know, you've clarified the engine size, that's a lot of money for a, a one-litre thing. I think mine's about 80. Yeah. Yeah, so to put that into perspective, your car probably takes about 40 litres of fuel and you paid 60 quid at the services. Yeah. Mine takes 55 litres of fuel, and I pay about the same. So that is a massive yeah. price gouge yeah. that you'll get in there. You know? And that's that's the thing. It's a twat tax. Hmm. Because, as James says, you know, they kind of got you by the short and curly. Yeah. But in their defence, without wishing to, you know, take a bit of air out your, your bubble there. Or deflate the tyres since we're on cars. Yeah. Their lease co- the leasehold cost, that land cost, is quite expensive. So they're paying high leases. The infrastructure is difficult to get to. So you've got the high delivery and transportation costs plus staff costs. But even so, all those factored in, it is disgusting. Mm. You know, you go to a service station and whether you just get some petrol diesel or you go and get a burger hmm. the prices are horrendous you need to mortgage your house or take out a bank loan yeah i mean i think mcdonald's and a few other of the retailers are the only ones who suck up the cost absorb their additional run costs whereas you know like the burger kings you you'll pay 25 percent more but you see it really at any sort of there are petrol stations near to um sort of the motorway areas near where i grew up and their prices are always far far higher than any other petrol station in the area because they work on the principle yeah. like instead of holding you to ransom basically to say mm, you're really yeah. gonna if you know you're running low on fuel coming off the motorway you're running low on fuel going on we can really hammer you and again there your mm-hmm. texacos there your uh your uh shells other garages are obviously available but you know yeah. The, the big- well, yeah, because no- normally, like, if I know that I'm doing, like, a long trip, I would try and find somewhere, mm-hmm. but there wasn't, like, a, um, in, you know, like, there wasn't a petrol station before I actually got on the motorway, or not one that I saw on on my route anyway, so, you know, I didn't even have that as an option, unfortunately, but normally I would, you know, do 
sort of think to myself, oh, you know, I'm not going to pay the motorway prices for petrol. But yeah, I guess, like like Andy said, it's a twat tax. So, yeah. Yeah. Because I pay a twat tax. If I don't fill up before I get onto the M4 to go to the office, <laughs> then it will cost me about 15, 20p per litre more. Yeah. You know, so when you're talking about a 55 litre tank, that's a hell of a lot more of a twat tax. So I have to make sure every time I get in the car now in the morning, right, I'm coming up to 400 odd, 440 odd miles, I better fill up. Because <laughs> yeah. I don't want to be paying 70 quid for a full tank rather than 60. Yeah. Exactly. So, but to your point, James, is really the most interesting thing I find. Sorry, Jen, was right. um, the first petrol station off the M4 when I get <clears throat> when I'm coming home is Sainsbury's. Yeah. The next one along on my way home, which is further up the road and more uh, heading away from the motorway, is generally a penny more expensive <clears throat> than, the, than the Sainsbury's. Yes. So I always now go to the supermarket and fill up because yeah. there's always like one to two P cheaper and, and it's, it amazes me that they BP have a bigger footprint. But interesting, the cheapest place that I've found for fuel, okay, you do have to have a membership, but it's Costco. Mm. Compared to anywhere else, their fuel is is a lot, lot cheaper. And okay, so you got to factor in you spend, this is not an advert for Costco, but you spend say £25 on a, year, on a membership for a year to allow you to get other things that we get reduced really you could just buy for the fuel and you'd make those savings quite easily mm. we haven't got a costco anywhere well near there, us, there's so. your problem yeah yeah there's your issue although asda's is oh, we've got an asda in near i work and um that one is always the cheapest and you know, like I lose my shit when it, like, yeah. when it, like in an excited way, sort of thing. When it goes down to I don't know, one point fourteen or whatever, you know, <laughs> something, something ridiculous. I'm like, oh my god, I need to get so much petrol. <laughs> I'm saving ten pence. <laughs> I things I can remember when I first passed my test. I was driving a diesel, and that was seventy five pence. Wow, oh my god. god, if only now. I remember those days? Yeah. And I bet you moaned about it then as well. No, I mean, yeah. yeah. But I don't I don't mean it in the sense that you, because you're you, moaned about it or anything like that, <laughs> what I meant by that. <laughs> I just wanted to explain, because I remember my dad used to say that when it was like 40p um, for petrol sort of thing, and, you know, like he'd do it, like, you know, obviously fill his car up and stuff like that, he actually used to say that he even... You know, when it was 40p, he used to complain about the price of petrol. Hey, no, I mean, for me, I have my McDonald's money. So I have my own set of wheels. So as long as I can fill that bad boy up. You're living the dream. So, yeah, yeah, it was only when it went up to like 79, 80. And I was like, oh, I'm going to have to pick up some extra hours. Yeah. (laughs) 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 Um, My other cod's wallet this week was actually one that happened today. Well, kind of reminded me of one today. Mm-hmm. It's labels. So not labels as in people giving you a label, but when you put on a item of clothing and you have your label hanging out in your, like at your collar type thing, 
<laughs> at work today there was a guy who was walking around he was like a sub a sub uh, contractor and he was walking around with one of those uh, yellow high vis jackets on yeah uh, vests yeah and uh, yeah and his label was sticking up the whole whole day and he's like he was behind me like all day because like that's where he was working but because i'd seen it it was absolutely irritating the hell out of me like i was just like i want to go over to him this guy that i don't know and just tuck it in uh, why didn't you just tell him yeah well i didn't know him uh, he could have would just shouted across self excuse me a label sticking out yeah, no, but then he would have been embarrassed in front of like thirty odd people. That there, but being embarrassed in front of the entire building, walking around with a a label sticking out, is better. Uh, oh, mm. <laughs> well, why is it? Why is it? He had a friend, there, so his friend could have seen, and his friend could have told him. So don't, like, don't be turning the judgment onto me here. This, this isn't like you know, this isn't a judge me <laughs> session, but. <laughs> It really does. It is telling that no one else felt sufficiently moved enough to to to, to do anything about it. So I wonder how many other people from the building are feeling cosmopolitan mm. about this. Oh no, I don't think I don't think that people. Uh, this is definitely an individual thing for me. <laughs> this. James, you know what we're doing? Everything yeah. inside out labels yeah. out when we meet Jim. Yeah, but that that would be fine because I know you. So I would literally just come up to your collar and just tuck it in. But you couldn't because it will all be inside out and it just keep flicking out. Yeah, we're going to dress backwards and inside out in our clothing. A la crisscross. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. It's good enough for them. <laughs> as long as we're in a pub, I'll get over it quite quickly. <laughs> well, James and I don't drink, so it'll be in a Starbucks where we meet. Hmm. I can run across the road and get a bottle of vodka and slip a bit in my uh, coffee. I'll be all right. Oh, but there's children present. You know, if I can't <laughs> ruin their life about Christmas, you can't ruin their frappuccino, baby chino with drunken disorderly behaviour. <laughs> why Why do you think that I would be drunken disorderly? I'm quite good at handling my alcohol. Challenge you could just get pretty pissed and sit there shouting about dragons. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> I don't even watch the Game of Thrones stuff, and I but I even get the references at least. So, yeah. <laughs> James, did you just hear the challenge that Gemma laid down? What that she's going to see? She's going to watch us drink coffee and show that she can't get pissed. Yeah. So to me, that says let's get Gemma pissed. Yeah, I reckon we can do it. Yeah. I'm very good. Okay. If you do the tally chart, I'll input that into Excel. I'm excellent at doing graphs. And you can tally, you can tally okay. sheet me on coffee as well. Yeah. And then we'll do like a drunkenness over time versus quantity and volume. Against how wired am I on caffeine? Yeah. <laughs> Challenge accepted. There's me and my decaf going, when can I get out? When can I get out? I'm on decaf. <laughs> By the way, I'm not saying that I wouldn't be a little bit tiddly, you know. But what I'm talking about is like proper, like obnoxious drunk type. I'd never get challenge that. accepted. Yes, challenge definitely okay. accepted. When are we doing this challenge? Whenever I get my ass in gear and agree to meet up. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Because this weekend we were supposed to, but that didn't happen. <laughs> yeah, work got in the way. Yeah, and to be honest, I was quite glad that it didn't happen in a way because I just wanted to get home. So I was quite, I was looking forward to my own bed at that point. So, or at the very least, you were looking forward to getting 21 miles away from home. <laughs> oh, sorry, 31 miles away from home. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> okay, the tumbleweed blows through, Gemma. Look, I'm trying yeah. to be upbeat and happy. 
<laughs> I know, it's really off putting. Um, <laughs> stop it. <laughs> it's 2035. 20, oh, yeah. it's 2035. I was thinking, no, we're not. We're on the 16th minute mark. No. <laughs> and actually, I think you're fine just 2025 because it's 825. Yeah, I, I get it. Oh, oh dear. How, how I got it. That? I got it. I just didn't find it funny. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I can't find everything funny, Andy. But why? Because not everything in life is funny. But why? Oh, God. Andy, you know when these people are that, like, sit in the back of a car, sitting so you're a child going, are we there yet? Are we there yet? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no. Now shut up and get on with it. That's that's what I would be saying to the children, not to you guys. Um, but why, Mummy? But why? <laughs> and then my third cod swallop this week is when people talk with a baby voice. Oh, God. <laughs> when they're grown-ass people and they're talking to grown-ass people. Okay, that's creepy. So like if you, it's kind of, there's kind of an exception to it if you're maybe talking to a child or if you're talking to an animal, that kind of, you know, like sometimes you do kind of do that oh, like sweet mean? and innocent oh, kind of voice. Yeah. Exactly. Is this not how Andy speaks to the cat? Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. But, you know, like it's when you're speaking uh, to an adult and going, Hello, are you okay? How is you? Are you okay? Oh my God, that's amazing. Oh, fake sincerity. Yeah. And then it's a bit like this, because I wonder, can I open the window, please? I'm going for a coffee, would you like fun? I think this person might not be shuffling over the full deck. Oh, they are, but oh God, it's so frustrating. I just think, you know, just talk like a normal person. Shocking. It'd drive me up the way. It would drive me absolutely bonkers, that sort of thing. You just like, shut the fuck up. Yeah, it does me. I sit there like, just like going, you know, when you're just gritting your teeth going, (laughs) (laughs) Oh. oh my god, I'm the Eeyore of this episode. What is happening to me? Yeah, I I, I mean, like, uh, uh, do I need to top this or? Yeah, Andy's losing his identity here. He's having an identity crisis. Come on, Andy, you can do it. (laughs) No, but I'm one with Jim on that because if it's not that, it's the one with the upward inflection, like everything. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I'm going to the toilet. I don't know. Are you asking or you do? Yeah. <laughs> or are you actually questioning yeah, if you really yeah. need to live? <laughs> yeah. yeah. And, and, and yeah. You know, I know, I think if I'm, you know, any Americans out there, you can correct me, but I think in America, they're taught that's how you present with that kind of upward inflection. Not that drastic that it sounds like a question, but you inflict, inflect upwards at the end of the sentence. But I've noticed that starting to creep into English people talking and they inflect and it's like yeah. oh, no you're not from california and why do you think they're doing it because they because they, they see it because you see a lot of it on the american tv shows that yeah. upward inflection that california yeah. accent well like valley girls valley girls yeah that's yeah. what i was struggling to to grasp for <laughs> thank you thank you yeah um, <laughs> <laughs> and just because it's like you're so welcome Andy oh Jesus <laughs> can you imagine yeah. getting her and the valley girls together can I get you a coffee uh, yes please okay <laughs> would you like milk and sugar oh my god you sound like Gollum a little bit <laughs> my precious <laughs> it's mine yeah 
the, it just turned to Columbine experience in the office, wouldn't it? Mm. That's it. And then you've got the guy, stapler, he's got my stapler. I want to take my stapler. Yeah. Where's my sellotape? Where's my sellotape? Yeah. <laughs> so when Matt's listening to this episode, he's going to go, is Andy taking the piss out of me? <laughs> no, no. Matt will get that reference no, I know. immediately. Yeah, I know he will. <laughs> Do you get it? Me? Yeah. No. Does James get it? Did I get it? No, yeah. I'm afraid I didn't. Sorry, old oh, boy. Oh, my days. One of the best films in the world you've got to see is uh, Office Space. Ah, okay, because that was one of the films on our list, on our list, wasn't it? So. Damn it, I've just got myself into a celluloid episode. Damn <laughs> <laughs> Right, okay. I am now above Gemma on Eeyore status. Okay, Andy, you don't have to join us at Celluloid Cod's Wallop at all. You don't have to join us at all. But it is on the list. Yeah. No, so, As I said, anyone that I've seen, definitely. Yeah. All, no, I know. It'll be fun. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, exactly. So so that's my Cod's Wallop for this week. Do you feel better for discussing it? Has it cleansed your soul? Um, I feel better about doing the baby talk and because i felt like you were both in agreement with me there yes um i felt slightly attacked with the petrol one <laughs> for the for the uh the the lack of ownership of twat taxing yeah and and then i felt completely mocked by um <laughs> the label incident yeah. so that wasn't mocking in <laughs> <laughs> in all so your honesty, fourth quad wallop is James. Yeah, he's, yeah, he does. <laughs> <laughs> I bought these two voodoo dolls, and yeah. <laughs> so they're do not I feel working. Better about myself. No, is the answer to that question. <laughs> Mission accomplished. <laughs> yeah. Stage one of your transformation yeah. complete. Oh, yep. good. Now, Andy, the gauntlet is down to you now. Well, I mean, I you know. Would you like to go next? Have you got anything? No, I want you to go. I'm desperate to hear because you are like, you know, the, the best guy at this. Oh my God, James, you've just insulted me even more. <laughs> no, no. It's the Eeyore, it's the Eeyore element. It's not insulting you. Listen to what he said. I am the best guy. There are yeah. only two guys. There are only two men here. Oh, okay. Yeah, it's like I say to Levi, you're the best ginger cat in this house. <laughs> You say it in a baby voice. Yeah. <laughs> You're the best ginger boy in this house. Yes, you are. Yes, you are. <laughs> I love you. Yeah. I know, I can feel my cods on starting to seep out. I might get it back. <laughs> yeah. So, um, on the subject of media, as a nice segue in from Lem- mm-hmm. Lemmers. <laughs> oh, Le- Lemmers? Lemmers. Yeah. On the back of Gemmers, um, Codswabber that I segwayed off onto, and that is um, this week's outrage on Twitter. Outrage or whinge fest? Mm, whinge fest. Okay. Everyone being upset that some Harry Potter chap has now is now playing Batman. And then also the 1.8 million dickheads who weren't happy with the end of Game of Thrones. <laughs> And now wants it reshot. Yeah, what the series? What was no, no, that just about? Just series eight. Yeah, they want the whole of series eight rewritten, reshot because they weren't. Happy Did you hear it. about the extra? The, the fact that they messed up again, and there was a bottle by Sam's foot. Apparently, yeah, but again, I think yeah, as I, I said on the it. last one, it's like I'm watching 
what's going on. I'm not yeah. looking for everything and looking for defects. Hmm. Yeah, you know, exactly. The, yeah, just stop ruining and stop sucking the joy out of everything. That's that's all I ask of the world. Yeah, the thing you have on these, though, is that for some of these people, it's their lives, isn't it? Mm. You know, Game of Thrones has been everything to them. They've followed it for eight years, I'm assuming, as it says it's eight seasons, and it's, you know, it's yes, everything so nine, to them. Because they missed a year out, they didn't show anything last year, so it's, yeah, it's right. about nine, ten years of people's mm. life. I would say that this season, sorry, just, just quickly, but then I'll, you know, obviously I'll shut up about it all. But, um, I would say that this season, you can tell the difference between, you know, like the fact that, you know, like they, they didn't finish the book and it was kind of like other people writing it and you could definitely tell the difference in the writing this time. Yeah. I mean, I will raise my hands and say I was a bit miffed that there was only, six episodes i was a bit miffed that it just seemed episode one certainly yeah just took too long to develop um and then the rest of the episodes you blink and you miss it Mm -hmm. they they just kind of skipped through yeah that annoyed me a little bit but it didn't detract enough for me to say well this is the end of their story so uh, you know, George has got still got to finish his book, I believe. I mean, I've, no, I haven't actually read all the books, and I guess a lot of people have read the books and watched the show and know that the TV show is an interpretation. Oh yeah, hmm. you know, and they they have a creative license, so you know that was their creative license. I don't, I, I don't follow the show enough to say, oh, it was the same writers all the way through from episode one, series one. I don't know. But, you know, HBO and these TV executives are not stupid. You know, mm. Yes, mistakes will be made. But when this is the world's most watched um, television series, they ain't going to drop the ball. They've got a lot of very intelligent and smart and creative people. It's just yeah. people throwing their toys out the pram because they didn't get what they want. Hmm. You know, and they, uh, a lack of understanding of how entertainment is shoved down our throats. And I think there was a big build-up for it as well, though, wasn't there? Well, so that's the problem, like isn't the whole it? fire and ice thing, you know, like the logo. That never really came to be anything. Well, yes and no, because you, you had... Certainly, if you looked at the the contrast of the... the the individual episodes of the last series, you do have a lot of fire and ice to fit in the physical form. Mm. But if you go back and watch from series one all the way through and just look at the light filtering effects and also, you know, the fire and ice encompasses so much more. You know, you've, you've got the climate, you've got the weather, you've got the physicality, the personalities, it, it's everything. I'm, I'm saying that like I haven't, I haven't even read the books, but that was my kind of takeaway from the story of Fire of Ice. And now also reading a lot of science fantasy as well. Mm. <laughs> but I think you're right in the fact that it's, it's the expectation is too much. Um, mm. I, I, I haven't seen it, but my nearest example of something that's been on for a while, but you know, it's come to an end that I've seen is, and I won't spoil it, is, um, the Big Bang Theory, and 
whilst I was happy with it, there are elements of it could change. But I, I'm not enough of a fan on things from these people who it's like it must be completely rewritten. I mean, who on earth these weird people, probably basement dwellers think they actually are to sort of demand and to think that anyone's going to listen to them yeah. it's crackers it's just the keyboard warriors in there with a caps lock on furiously typing away because life is so unfair you know and I imagine this is not the only thing they complain about they are still no, no, big masses because you mentioned as well didn't you the issue with the the fact that I mean they've not said it is him but it probably will end up being him that Rob Patterson of Twilight and other things uh, yeah what is someone who's going to be the new Batman millions and millions of dollars from yeah. hormonal tweens so they've already got a generation of captive actor followers mm-hmm. why wouldn't they stick him in as Batman Mm. and reinvent the franchise get get a younger base of people a different demographic of people into the genre but taking Twilight out of his career I mean Mm. obviously it's a big factor in his career but there was there was actually quite a few films that I've seen with him in after Um, I I can't think of them at the top of my head Mm -hmm. but there was one that was basically about um, 9-11 Mm-hmm. And it was, I think it was called Remember Me. And if you actually watch that film and you watch him acting in that film, he is actually a really good actor. Mm. Just because everybody knows him from the Twilight thing and that one uh, Harry Potter film that he was hardly, he wasn't really a main feature in that film. So, you know, you can't really factor him in completely with that. But if you did take on board his other work, then hmm. he is actually quite a good actor. I wouldn't well, say he's necessarily the bestest act- uh, bestest the best actor in the world, but at the same time, he's he's potentially got the chops to do it. You know what I mean? And if it pleases the court, I would like to lay before your honour evidence of Val Kilmer, nineteen ninety five. Okay. Yep. He played Batman. He's not the world's best actor. So, are you really going to kick up a stink that a Twilight actor is coming in when we've already had Val Kilmer? Well, you've got to also think the biggest stink that ever kicked off on Batman when they cast Michael Keaton. Yeah, I was going to bring up Michael Keaton. Yeah, oh, but he was an awesome Batman, and he was phenomenally good because yeah. everyone's going, "Oh, he's a comedian; it'll be absolutely useless. He's going to be, you know, he didn't miss the moment. It'll just be like 1960s Batman mm. again." But we got something completely different. And although yeah. people yeah. aren't huge fans, I liked him, but a lot of people didn't like Ben Affleck as Batman. He is a very good actor. So what I'd say is, give him the chance. You know, it, it might work out brilliantly. And also, these people, I'm sure the majority of them read the actual fucking comics. Yeah. Now, I don't, but I'm assuming that with each reboot, because they do like a reboot, don't they, like the old comic books? Yeah. You know, when they run out of steam, you know, they kill them off and then they reappear again. Yeah. Um, and they look completely different. The only thing that is similar is the outfit, or they ch- completely change the outfit, hmm. but keep the physical shape similar enough. I mean, did did these same people go and write into DC and Marvel? Probably. It's like, get over it, people. Yeah, and 
And even if, like, the actor isn't necessarily a fan of Superman, Batman, Deadpool, whatever. Yeah. I mean, that Ryan Reynolds was a fan of Deadpool and isn't big, you know, comic book person. So I think that's why he was very keen to get involved in that. Mm. But uh, I like read somewhere, but, um, not that I know him personally, but although I'd like to, um, yeah, um, you know, it's kind of like, even if, um, Robert Patterson doesn't really follow anything about Batman. He's now going to go through and read all about him because he's mm. going to want to make the best version of him that he can. Yeah. And it's his interpretation. It's his yeah. yeah. It's his interpretation of what the writers have written yeah. and what is out there in as a legacy. Yeah. He'd be quite within his right to go, well, I want to be this particular Batman. Yeah. I want to be a version of this particular actor's version of Batman, you know. Well, it's a bit like the whole thing. It's because people are so invested in these sort of characters, you get it with James yeah. Bond, things like that. You know, people feel like they feel like they've got their own sort of special links to it, but it is the terrible situation of things like Facebook, Twitter, where you get people gobbing off. And, the th- the point that you, you you know was made earlier about that the guy running Warner Brothers, for example, will have an idea of what's happening, uh, you know, uh, an idea of what they want to produce with this film, that they'll sit and look at, say, source material. You know, it's like something Michael Caine once said. There was a list of like, the 50 worst films ever made, and he was on – loads of his films were in the list, and he said, it's not like I sit around and particularly go, I'm going to, like, you know, I'm going to do the worst possible film I can. I go in, do the best I can with it, and it is what it is, so yeah. – they're not going to purposely go out of the way and go, oh, it really makes me really, really shit. And uh... What I think this film needs is me acting like a twat. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I was only supposed to blow the bloody doors off. <laughs> yeah. Don't you throw those bloody spears at me. <laughs> My name is Michael Caine. Not a lot of people know that. Yeah. My name is Michael Caine, and yeah. I am a nosy neighbour. <laughs> <laughs> that was the peep show, wasn't it? Uh, fast, was it the Fast Show? Uh, oh, yeah. Fast Show. Yeah, that was the White yeah. House, wasn't it? Yeah. yeah, yeah, that was brilliant. I love that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. So, yeah, so that was that was one of my codswallop uh, for, for this week was, yeah, it was just... Uh, and this is... And, and again, I don't mean to be offensive. Um, I mean this... <laughs> In the nicest possible way when I say it, but <laughs> I'm going to slap you down anyway. <laughs> yeah. yeah. 2019 is the crescendo for the for nerds. You know, you you've got two conclusions happening. Whether or not you follow both universes, but you've just mm. had the end of the Marvel universe as as you've known it over 22 mm-hmm. odd films. If if yep. the, my source material of podcast listening is to be believed. Yeah. <laughs> and then that um, Star Wars thing that everyone was obsessed about, that ends this year. And then you've got a couple of reboots of um, Spider-Boy. Spider-Man. Because he's not a man. No, he's not a man. He's a boy. No, he's a boy. I like he, him. He's, he's a, a teenager. teenager. Yeah, it should be super puberty. But that is the Spider point. puberty. You know, he's not a man. They don't let in the films. They do not let him come become a man. He's a child. He can't even drink alcohol. Well, I like I like the current. Um, his mind. His name is slipping my mind at the moment. I know it's Tom something. Um, James, what's his name? Uh, Tom something. <laughs> Tom Tom Collins. Col- 
But anyway, regardless, it's com- yeah. But I yeah. I like irrespective him as Superman as like as well, yeah. I like him as irrespective. Spider-Man. You know, yeah. You should be celebrating. You've never had it so good for your genre of film. For me, I'm going for a bit of a drought. And I've never heard you this passionate before about film, Andy. Keep going. <laughs> I mean, don't don't get me wrong. I'm partial to a bit of mind numbing, so I'll stick on a you know a Marvel universe. I, mean, mm-hmm. I tried Batman versus Superman four times before I got through to the end. Um, but mine's still in the wrapper. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I loved it. Fuck both of you. Keep going. Yeah, but you know, <laughs> but celebrate it. Embrace it. You know, because. There's going to come a point where my kind of films are going to start hitting the market and then you're going to be all crying and wailing because your films aren't being shown. Um, what what kind of films do you what like? What I'm then? waiting for is the... It's the one behind those dodgy curtains, isn't it? In yeah. The video shop. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, give it give it time. The snowflakes will certainly put my stuff behind there. But no, no we've, <laughs> I, since the, the noughties... There has been a lot of conflict mm-hmm. in in the Middle East, <laughs> you know. And when you look back over war films through history, they tend to kind of focus on the big ticket items: Second World yeah. War, mm-hmm. um, Vietnam, you know. So I'm waiting for Afghanistan and mm-hmm. um, Iraq for those films to come out. We've we've had we've had a good run of good films, but it's kind of gone quiet. Um, but I'm looking for the 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 updated version of Black Hawk Down, of Platoon, mm. you know, uh, Ice uh, Dam Busters, Ice Cold in Alex, um, The Great Escape. I'm I'm waiting for the modern version. I mean, my most f- the, the most impactful one for me was the first time I saw Black Hawk Down. I love mm. that. Film. You know, I've never seen. I, that. I'm um, I've never yeah. seen it. I've not seen that. It's one. Yeah. It was one of the, the the first war films that. You know, I guess you could arguably say like Platoon and those great Vietnam films of the seventies brought you into the action. But by the time I saw them, technology had moved on and they did look very dated. But Black Hawk mm. Down was very good at bringing you into the action in the same way that when you watch the opening scenes of Save a Private Ryan, you are absolutely dumbstruck because mm. you, it's just so much, so intense. That's what Black Hawk Down is like. And that was set in Mogadishu mm. um, when, you know, uh, a Black Hawk um, pilot gets shot down and is then held captive. And the Americans go in and it's just 24-hour mission. I think it's 24 hours where they just go in and it's just black and then it's day and it's just gun by. It's just mental. Um, I'm waiting for that. And, I, you know, I, I, I do like the war films. I Have like you ever them. seen Syriana? Yeah. No. That's really good with George Clooney. You get a chance to see that if you like that sort of thing. But look, Matt Damon's in it as well. If you get yeah. a chance to see it, look at the whole Middle East situation. It's yeah. a phenomenal film. You know, it was a really good one. It was on the mm. Benghazi embassy. You know, that, that was a good. That was a, a really good intense mm. one. Um, recently, um, that was the whole Hillary Clinton um, thing uh, that fouled her up with her emails. Um, and there was a, you know, there's been some good ones. Um, oh, the names escape me, but some of them have been a bit sort of arty farty, too thinky, not enough action for me, not enough explosion. And I don't mean an explosion in in a cheesy die-hard way, um, you know. Yeah. But you know, pro- in the real in the real sense, sense. yeah, yeah. You know, that is an yeah. RPG that's just hit a tank, and yes, that's how it would react. 
Yeah. You know, not someone shooting a fuel tank in a modern car. <laughs> well, stay patient, Andy. It will happen. Yeah. The tide will turn. Going back to the um, Dam Busters, mm. that was actually filmed near where yeah. I live. Ah. Just fun All fact. Right. Well, yeah. Do you know what scenes? It was actually... the beach scenes? Uh it was it actually yeah it was it was um it was filmed on um Chisel, yeah. Ban- uh, Chisel Beach and uh, yeah so that is literally um it's about a 20 to 30 minute walk away from my house oh awesome so yeah yeah, yeah. and like on team sorry go on. no i was just going to say there you go fun fact mm. and, and from a tv yeah. perspective band of brothers that is such a fantastic show and you really get sort of immersed in it and kind of dragged into it, you know, so it'd be great to get um, some good kind of, you know, get Steven Spielberg and Tom Hanks back in the saddle to... Yeah, do- those two together, definitely. Well, it may certainly happen. Yeah. Now, guys, I'm going to... Just, go can on. I just quickly say one last little thing? Sorry. You certainly can. Um, no, because I was going to say, with regards to TV programmes, have you seen that one... Andy, that is, um, it's like a survivalist one where they're like basically they're putting them in a room and they are being tortured as it, not physically, but they're being tortured kind of, um, to see if they could cope with being prisoner of, prisoner of wars. Wait, you mean life? <laughs> no, I don't, I don't tend to watch those. And these have got the other one, which is the SAS Are You Tough Enough, where they get. Yeah. Joe blocks off the street, you know, to go and do what is a very extreme test that uh, the majority of the armed services personnel can't even pass. Yeah. You know, I mean, I'm not, I'm not definitely raving. Yeah. I'm definitely not sitting here raving about it. Yeah. I didn't like it myself. Yeah. But, um, yeah, it was, yeah, I just, I just thought as you were sort of talking about that. But well, what oh, would interest you- me is if they, rather than showing, Deirdre from accounts, who's also, you know, does a lot of personal training. Mm-hmm. I want to see the real people who are actually want to do doing that for a career. So what I will watch is where they do like um, a three part on the BBC on the Royal Marines and they follow a class from their first day on the parade grounds when they step off the coach and they get shock and awe from the drill sergeants through to passing out and joining their regiments and then you see them six, nine months, twelve months in once they've settled into regular life. I love those. Um where because it's real people who are actually wanting to do it and they will be doing it at the end because you're just watching them attempt that. But when it's you say it's just someone going, Oh, I think I could do that and then they go back to their office job at the end of the the, the filming. I don't really watch those. Yeah. No, that's fair enough. Sorry to sound so sort of poo-pooey. <laughs> no, it, no, no, it's absolutely fine. It's not a problem. It's just that, you know, because um, my mum got quite hooked on that programme. Yeah. So I was like, like, occasionally I'd be in the room when it was on and I'd quite quickly leave the room because I was like, I don't want to watch this. But anyway, sorry, James, you're in charge. So I want you to guess, what do you think my cod's wallop is? Car. Damn right, son. It's the car. Um, Checks in the post, yeah? <laughs> they have found a, a crack in the filler, so it's going back. Um, no no cost me, no issues, courtesy car, but 
that will be some life out of the crack in the filler, as did my valeter. So hopefully it will all be resolved fairly quickly. Avoo, my valeter! <laughs> Oh, yes, my valeter, of course, yes. Yes, I'm such a posh (laughs) (laughs) Andy, I can't believe you didn't pick up on that, by the way. No, I I was just just trying trying to work out whether, you know, the valeter isn't someone who's paid, but actually some child that's still drafted into, into work for a lump of coal. You know, the valeter is my uh, is my urchin that I uh, occasionally will you know give a biscuit or so to yeah. clean the car. You know, sort of how we employ you, Andy. That's it. You know, because the only way Gemma that he's actually talking to us right now is that that child is pedalling away on a bike to power the yeah. electricity. <laughs> you know, up north they're not plugged in. <laughs> well, we know from experience on earlier episodes that yeah. <laughs> that's the case. Yeah. <laughs> how dare you? So, he's he's added an extra spoonful of oats to the daily meal <laughs> yeah unlike here where there's an alarm going off this is the typical south yeah, yeah. i don't know if you can hear the car alarm but it's definitely being picked up on the audio so. oh, <laughs> Shocking. yeah yeah it's going <laughs> somebody's breaking in somebody's car obviously yeah. a rough old area oh yes i can hear that. all right yes shut up now please yeah. thank you recording <laughs> in session yeah so I think we've all had a wonderful codswallop. Mine is a six-month running codswallop, so I win. Um, <laughs> oh, James, because we kind of cut you off there. Did you actually have anything else that you wanted to say about it? <laughs> not, not really. <laughs> yeah. You uh, beat me to, into submission. No, it's just the fact that uh, basically it is a, it's a pain in the arse. It's been going on for six months, but there is hopefully light at the end of the tunnel. Everything else seems to be okay on it, apart from one issue with the bulb, but they're going to look at both these things. But there should be no specific sort of, you know, I'm not going to charge anything for this. It's just, I suspect, I suspect what it comes from is a sloppy job done by the original spit and bastards who had it, who should never have had it. Um, If they'd done a better job, this wouldn't be an issue because everything else now is absolutely perfect. But again, and I will name and shame them. Ellen Eaton made such a piss poor job of the first lot of repairs. This should not have been a pro- you know, if they'd done it properly, this would not have been a problem. But they are no longer uh, a cause of concern for me. I'm getting it looked at and sorted out by the correct people. That's good. Now, we've all been really miserable and, cod, uh, and talked a lot of cods wallop and nasty and unhappiness. So I'm going to drag us to a hopefully a happy period where we can discuss. Something that you, the listener, can get closer to us as the uh, the host. By we're going to discuss funny, hopefully funny. Just giggling, just giggling away because it's like Andy, always, um, not Andy, James always like tells a story. Yeah. It's like, are you sitting comfortably, yeah. children? Yeah. Then the next yeah. segment is about to begin. Correct. Yeah. And, and bearing in mind that you know that was a fifty minute cod's wallop. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. I've got to bring happiness to it. I'm hope my my fear is that Andy will take any happiness and drag it down to his level. So we've got to, we've got to keep positive. So uh, I'm thinking about what our earliest childhood memories are and I ask you both to sort of think on that. So for me, my earliest, and I would probably be a baby, in fact, I'm pretty sure I would have been a baby, and I remember my mother carrying me past what is a uh, was an old pub, which I think is still there, uh, taking me on a walk home where I think I've probably been to the doctors or something. So that is my earliest childhood memory. You two got anything? Um, I'm going to have to rethink mine because all of mine are very dark and from roughly the same time period. <laughs> well, if it helps, Andy, 
I'll go next. Yeah. But you'll hear the story and you'll also know that mine is rather dark oh, too. Oh, bloody hell. Um, <laughs> but in a positive way. What um, have I done right? <laughs> go on. We can, we can always turn a positive, a negative into a positive. And vice so versa. <laughs> <laughs> and it also gives Andy a bit of time to think as well. Um, so I have told this, I think I have told this story on Mike before, but if mm-hmm. not, then there are a few people that are familiar with this story. But anyway... Anyway, if Kevin can repeat himself endlessly, I'm sure you can. Hmm. Yeah, exactly. And I definitely repeat myself on ghost stories, so go on. <laughs> you do, you do. Although you haven't, and that's very good. And um, basically my story is is that, or my first memory, shall I say, is that my mum had popped to the chemist, which hmm. was literally just 100 yards down the road, and left me with my brother, and mm-hmm. my brother is 11 years older than me and I was about four. So he was 15. Good math. And, uh, <laughs> basically he, he had his friend over and he was just completely showing off in front of his man, in front of his friend, mm-hmm. which, you know, typical people, people do that, don't they? In general. Yeah. And teenagers really do it. So yeah. So me being four. And I was like, I'm going to tell mum on you. You know, I'm allowed to do the baby voice because I'm pretending to be a baby right now. You were a child. I was. I And he was like, go on then. And he goaded me. And I've always been pig-headed. So really, <laughs> <age of four. laughs> never. <laughs> so, but that's how I get in li- I get to places in life because I do things. Um, it's true, gentle listener. Yeah. <laughs> so, anyways, whereas I just skirt along and I've just fallen into things. Yeah, yeah, and you've fallen into our lap, which is lovely. And there you go, little booster to make you feel a little bit less eory. Um, Sorry, I was so. Just- it- Throw up a bit there in my mouth. Oh, yeah. bless you. Okay. <laughs> I bet you loved it, didn't you? I bet it tasted nice. Yeah. Um, <laughs> anyway, back to the story. So, literally, I walked, I walked down the garden, went out of the garden, and walked the about a hundred yards down the road, and crossed a quite busy road. And I was only four, remembering at this point. The yeah, end. Yeah, there was actually, well, to me, like my memory of it was it was a van that basically screeched around the corner and obviously slammed his brakes on. And if it hadn't have done, it would have basically have knocked me over. Um, and I just sort of like put my hand up in the air. It was like, thanks. And just <laughs> carried on walking. Thanks, <laughs> Yeah. And so at that point, probably that person was having like a heart attack. But like I said, to me, it seemed like a van. Um, but it could have just been a regular car because of the height I was. Hmm. And yeah, I walked into the, into the chemist and all pharmacy for our international listeners. And I, I sort of, you know sort of like pulled on my mum's arm and i just said mum mum lee's being horrible to me and then all hell broke loose basically and yeah she sort of said where is lee you know are you here on your own and obviously she's absolutely freaking out um and i bet she changed color definitely pale Uh, i can imagine so i can't really remember to be honest like it is, it is still quite a it, like it's not like a vivid, vivid hmm. memory. But the the 
big things that happened, like the car and mm. like, you know, me getting upset and whatnot. That was all, you know, very, very clear in my mind. But I can't really remember what happened after um, after I went home. So That's a pretty cool memory, though. It's pretty yeah. interesting. You got it in such <laughs> such uh, detail as well. Yeah, yeah. Is it is? It's like literally. It's almost like a painting on my, like a war film in my brain, sort of thing. Like I can literally remember it. So my memory astounds me that I actually can recall it because I would have been a baby. So I'm literally remembering yeah. on being my mother's shoulder being carried. Oh, and it must be the literally my what I'm. It well, it will. It's the, literally the earliest memory. I can still remember it uh, pretty clearly. It's quite amazing that I can recall it because yeah. I must. I would well. I would have been a baby. It's, it's literally that thing. Um, yeah, because they usually say that it's um, if you've got any early children childhood memories, it's sort of anything from sort of almost four onwards, yeah. isn't it? Is there anything under that? You know, the child does tend to forget. Yeah. So, Andy, over to you. Yeah, so oh, there were a lot of mine are like um, snapshots. Yeah, I I don't know the build up or the afterward. It's just a, a like if someone's just taking a a ten second burst of pictures, um, so vague recollections. But uh, there's quite a few really. I mean, the hmm. nicest one, shall I say, was probably um, June. 86, I just looked it up to see when it was, just to make sure it, I was in the right year. But yeah, it was June 86. It was um, Wham's last concert at Wembley. And um, I was in Croxley Green in um, outside Rickmansworth, uh, Watford, uh, staying with um, at my grand's because you know, my grand was looking after me while my parents were working. Mm-hmm. And um, they'd gone out for the day. My aunts, I were basically looking after me and listening to the Wham concert on the radio, you know, because it was such a big deal. You know, it was Wham's hmm. last ever concert. So, yeah. uh, so I vaguely remember being in my grand's house on that day. Um, right. Do you remember how old you would have been at the roundabout? I, w- I would have been six at that time. Hmm. Um, okay. And I remember just vaguely rifling through my youngest aunt's um, stack of books to see which ones I would read. And I think they were like Eden, Eden Blightman. Eden, Eden of Blighter, Blighton yeah. books. Blighton. Blighton, Eden yeah. Blighton, yeah. You know, the, the Famous Five and, and things like that, you know. So, uh, yeah, that was probably the sort of nice ones. The other ones are not so dark, but just odd <laughs> things that happened. So um, I can vaguely remember my parents were moving from Northampton down to Reading. Mm-hmm. So my dad was getting the, the house in Wellingborough ready to, to uh, sell hmm. or I think we're just moving in it's either we were just moving out or we were just moving because we moved from one area outside Wellingborough station to to the outskirts and maybe my dad was doing the place up but he stupidly left the drill plugged in and I was quite happily just drilling away <laughs> into the skirting boards um, you know with it <laughs> you know so uh, you know they both freaked out and I was like yeah um, but that went down well yeah I vaguely remember um, playing with my Tonka toy. So I, this would have been 84, 85. So it would have been four, four or five um, mm-hmm. when we were living in uh, Wellingborough. I vaguely remember my old house, but I do remember playing uh, sort of the, the first house, the house I lived in after when I was born. Um, but I think I remember my next door neighbours used to babysit me, um, like my godparents, mm. a lovely elderly company. I used to remember their cats and the overwhelming smell of liver and bacon. 
horrible horrible um but yeah i remember the garden um at at the the last place we lived and i used to get Hmm. my tonka toys and 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 be out in the garden digging uh in the garden uh, making channels for water and stuff um but on the kind of darker side i do remember Hmm. going to primary school and a child Mm -hmm. got run over and the i can still remember the image of the boy's face with tire track marks over his face it was oh, God. yeah it was it was grim because they hadn't covered the body in time and traffic was still crawling past and my mum was like don't look don't look don't look so what does a, a four-year-old a boy little do? boy do yeah, yeah five-year-old boy does he looks uh, i don't think i was partic- particularly particularly effect- affected by, by 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 it um you know <laughs> uh so yeah i remember that but i also remember my first day at primary school um there was a tuck shop um, you know, where you could go and buy sweets and crisps at, at uh, dinner at break time. We never had that at primary school. We had that at our sec. Uh, well, I think we had it at our secondary school, but only for a very short burst. It was never something really... Um... It, it was the only primary school I remember. We had one, obviously, at secondary school. We had a canteen. Hmm. But I didn't know anything about money, so I just walked into um, the tuck shop, grabbed a couple of bags of crisps, and then walked out again. <laughs> And I'm, I think I burst into tears when I was then accosted and asked for money as I had no concept of what was going on and I was in trouble. Yeah, you wouldn't know what the uh, the concept of it was. That's it, you know. I, I vaguely remember that primary school, but I would have been, this would have been 84, 85, so I think I would have been five because um, then, you know, I moved down, down south. So I remember, vaguely remember watching Mexico 86, the World Cup. So, God, you, you have a very good memory then for recalling these sort of things. Well, the, I'm very impressed. I think because there was a lot of upheaval going on. So, because yeah. my dad was working in London and my mum was moving to a new job in Reading. Um, and I stayed with my because the, they couldn't quite, you know, dad couldn't get back to from London up to North Wellingborough mm-hmm. um, to pick me up from school. And, you know, mum's in a full time job in Reading um, and was looking for a place to to live for the family. Hmm. Um, you know, so I stayed with one of my aunts in um, South Oxley, um, outside London. So I remember that kind of upheaval um, and the terrible bratty child that I was. <laughs> yeah, and then we moved to Reading in 86. Um, and that's where, you know, all my memories are, you know, really concretely begin is... Mm-hmm. That kind of summer of 86. Back in the summer of 86. Yeah, and my now memories are now ruined by such an awful voice. (laughs) (laughs) Ooh, he's harsh. Um, Can I ask you one question, Andy? And to take you back, I'm afraid, to a bad memory. Uh, The issue or the situation that the the person had been hit by a car, was it a young child? Yeah, yeah, it was a young child, yeah. Now, I don't know whether... I did actually see the tire tracks and the red marks or whether that's something I superimposed onto that memory. Yeah, like a false memory sort of thing. Yeah, but I definitely remember being told not to look and looking and seeing a dead child, but I can't Mm. really remember anything other than the red lines across the face. Ooh, so we've gone from (laughs) my plan to have funny, happy childhood memories just taking a bit of a dive on that one. Well, that's the first thing I remember when when I read the, the, you know, the show notes, shall we say. Yeah. That was the first thing. That and drilling into the skirting boards. But, again, we asked for early childhood memories, and it is really interesting to see what people do remember. 
uh, as an early point. The things, I mean, these are the things that really do shape your sort of personality and what uh, the sort of well, the person you end up becoming. One of the things that I remember that was interesting that made me sort of laugh a bit when you talked about, um, you know, getting, you know, being let loose with a drill, uh, reminds me somewhat when I was a child, uh, I think I would have been what, maybe six or seven. I, uh, obviously found the record player at my parents' house very interesting. But I didn't understand how it worked, did I? So I took out records, decided to put the needle on and move it by hand. And you can only imagine what that did to my mother's record collection. Oh, yes. I was not a popular child at that point. And I still remember her her coming in with my my friend's dad and going, What? James, what are you doing? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, My my hamster ruined a lot of my, my parents' vinyl. When it escapes. Um, go on. Because well, obviously, you know, rodents will chew. Yes, yes. And paper is lovely. So mm. the yeah. the LP covers are, you know, make excellent chewing material. And then they just get through to the uh, the edge of the disc, take a, a bite. Sometimes it will snap. Sometimes they'll just scratch the beginning. Um, but if they manage to sort of chew a big enough hole and decide to go for a bit of a meander through the, mm. the LP, there was lots of claw marks as it tried to get up the vinyl. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> See, when my hamster got loose, it just got loose and ran around the house, and it ended up coming out of... we. My mother and I spent the day trying to find it. You could hear the little things scurrying around. And it came out of near a light fixture in the dining room. <laughs> poking its head out it was it's a hard one to describe it was like in the, the way the house was was then it was an old strip light yeah and it there must have been a gap at the side you know when you clip it all in and this little head popped out and uh my mother had to get the little thing out and uh <laughs> and try and clean it up it was one very gray very tired looking hamster and it came out and all huffy and puffy <laughs> <laughs> Well, if you think of it, running around the house for several hours, God knows what what it what it must have been getting up to. But as <laughs> it, you know, mine would kamikaze down the stairs and get out of its ball. So you know, I'll be upstairs, you know, with it in in my room, and you know, be rolling around in his little hamster ball, and then uh, you know, he'd keep knocking against the door. So I'd you know, watch him run around the the upstairs, and then he would just make a a beeline for the uh, for the stairs because he knew that if he got down the stairs, the ball would open and he would have the run of the house. <laughs> if he got distracted no. and didn't catch it in time, he was off and it was then pulling out all the white goods, Ugh. checking behind everything, you know, just looking for all the usual hiding places and just a look of resignation on his face when you picked him up. Can I not just have a day off? Oh. Did you ever have a hamster, Gemma? No, I never had a hamster. Um, but I did have a couple of rabbits Ooh. and a kitten, but the kitten didn't last very long, unfortunately, because we live by a main road, so you can Ooh. kind of work out what happened there. Mm. But, um, yeah, I had a, a couple of rabbits called, uh, one was called Tabitha Twitchit and the other one was called Bianca Bunny. Oh, nice. Yeah, they were, they were such cute rabbits as well, but unfortunately, um, well, one of them, one of them died, you know, they both died basically. So, but one of them, I didn't realize until later on in life, but one of them was actually caught by a fox. And I was like, oh no, that's even sadder. 
Bloody hell. One one thing that's just popped into my head was the the name of my first crush. Okay. And was it Bianca Bunny? Yeah. No, and, and that was from <laughs> Wellingborough, so that would have been 84, 85, so it would have been four or five years old. And yeah. I still remember her name, but I don't remember her face. Right. I've half-heartedly over the years tried to find her, but um, just to see, out of interest to see if if anything... What was it? Rings a bell, but uh, yeah, no, I've hmm. never been able to successfully find it, so I sometimes question. What was her name? But uh, I'll just leave the first name in. Her name was Emma. Oh, okay, you're just going to give the first name. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I know you. I'll get an I'll get an instant message. Found her. Yeah. <laughs> Why would I do that? <laughs> because I know. Do you know, Andy? For the record, I have got more important things to be doing. <laughs> I don't Facebook stalk. No, I've never no, even Facebook I, stalked either of you two. I, no, I just I, I know that you 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 are very good at um, doing good nice things for people, and that's the sort of thing that I could well imagine yeah. you doing. Not good save, Andy. Good save. Away, but, uh, <laughs> no, that was where I was going. You know, I like the I do like the fact that we've uncovered quite a lot of interesting childhood stuff on this one. So yeah. it's. Uh, it's interesting deep dive, and it'd be interesting to see if that when, when this goes out, like Twitter or anything like that, and Facebook, if we can get any other people discussing things that have uh, influenced them. So, why don't we ask the listeners? Exactly, listeners, yeah. please. You know, if you've got any nice memories or not so nice memories or things you want to sort of bring forth, please do. It's like an agonical yeah. section. When, when was the first time you signed an internet p- petition about an actor or actress? <laughs> But on a ser- uh, on another note as well, we want to have interaction with um, what a load of codswallop as well. Mm, yeah. So if you've got any codswallop during the week that happens, we record every Tuesday, um, you know, give or take if we can't make it or whatever. But yeah, if you um, if you do have any codswallop of the week, you know, feel free to sort of like send it send it in to us. It will all be in the bio, so you can just read where um, all of our details are. So, yeah, send it across to us, and uh, we'll read it out on the show if you yeah. did want to submit it. So, And if you've got a preference on the Eeyore scale as to whereabouts it sits, you could also say, you know, this is a, a full-blown Eeyore, so Andy needs to read it. <laughs> or, you know, this is low-end, in which case, you know, Jem can read it. It's kind of middle of the road. Meh. James can read it. Mm. So <laughs> if it's a, if it's a pin in the ass or a thistle, it goes to you, doesn't it, Andy? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> if it, if it's just a, you know just a mild sore on on the wrist, <laughs> then it goes to you. If it's a tickle, then it goes to Jim. Yeah. So it's a bit like you know you know one of those. Um, brushes that you can do like the dusting with yeah. have you seen those a feather duster yeah, so basically yeah feather duster thank you very much james <laughs> um yeah so basically i would be the feather duster tail yeah and he's like the uh the really rough scrubber that you use to get all the stuff or off your brillo plates. pads yeah, yeah, yeah. brillo pad that you use in the shower to wash yourself with <laughs> well i don't know about you andy but i you know i personally wouldn't want to use a brillo pad to clean myself but you know <laughs> Each of their own, whatever makes you happy. <laughs> so now we're going to do a full 360 going from our childhood. And this is one where uh, Andy may want to, you know, sit this one out slightly. Uh, we're going to discuss, Gemma and I, and I would like Andy to interject though, uh, the fact that we were both lucky enough to see Hollywood Babylon live in the UK 
Now, we, we saw it at two different venues, um, mm-hmm. but I'm going to let Gemma go first, and we're just going to mm-hmm. share a few of our favourite memories, things that happened. Uh, I think you should go first, because yours was first. Okay, then. Not a problem. Pers- personally thinking, um, but also mine was a two-dayer, so... Well. Uh, no one likes to show off, but... <laughs> yeah. No, but I'm just thinking, you know, because I had the Ralph Report meetup as well. Yes. So. And we, we desperately need to hear about that. So, basically, I was at the Manchester show. Um, I'll try not go into extreme detail, but obviously we get there. And the funny thing is, I went with my friend Luke, who um, is into Hello Babylon as well. Not as much as we all are, but he's, he's very much a fan. And we got to the event, and we obviously had all our tickets and stuff, and we were trying to work out where you went in, because there weren't too many people queued up uh, at the front, and they were going into some priority area, which I suspect I could have gone into anyway, because I did have priority stuff, I found out later. Um, and we said, well, where's the queue? And then we walked around the side of the Manchester Apollo, and the queue was stretching the length of the building. Yeah. <laughs> all the length of a pub that's built next to the building and going past a car park area. It was a massive, massive queue. And you were getting these very bewildered people wandering up, going like, is this the queue? And I'm like, well, I think it is. I said, but we'll be a bit pissed if it's just the queue to get into the pub. Um <laughs> Oh dear. (laughs) And while I was queuing, I tried, and I mean, I really tried to get people to talk to to me on behalf of talking Codwalk. Nobody would speak to me. They were just going, one person said we don't know what to say, and the other group of people that were nearby that tried to speak to me were basically too stoned to talk to me. So. God only knows what they would have made of the show. It probably would have been fine, to be honest, yeah. So anyway, going along in the queue, and to be fair, the queue moved pretty quickly for about 15, 20 minutes, and you're going along, and you're getting more and more pumped for what's going to happen. So I thought, I'll just check Twitter. And I'd made a, a comment earlier on in the day about the fact there were two people spotted at the train station. Yes. Yeah, I saw that. And I was pleasantly surprised to see Kevin Smith himself had liked this tweet. So that was always a bonus as you go in. Awesome. And the one thing that happened to me uh, <laughs> is, excuse me, sir. Says so the security staff said, yes. He said, oh, that camera you've got there, are you sure you can bring that in? I said, well, I've been told it's a, you know, it's a fixed lens. I'm okay with that, right? Um, what's that in your pocket? And I went, that's my my microphone, because I was looking to interview people in the uh, in the queue. Can't do that, mate. You're going to have to give it to us. It's going to be locked away in the office. So we went in. Uh, I had to then go all the way upstairs to have my camera that I'm currently recording on uh, locked away in the office, so I wasn't allowed to use it at all, because uh, they said there was the concern about if I recorded any of the show. Um, yeah, I think that's understood, yeah, though. That's it? completely mm, understandable. Yeah. I've no, yeah. I, I no truck with that. That was fine. But I was stopped another five times about my camera um, and was asked, uh, are you allowed to bring that in? I said, yeah, yeah I've been told I can. Uh, where's your press pass? So I don't have a press pass. Uh, and, yeah, even when I got into the, the main uh, hall for the event, I was sort of told, what's with your camera? What's with your camera? So, yeah, a bit weird on that one. That's why they didn't get the briefing pack, because they shouldn't have asked you, are you allowed to bring that in here? They just yeah. say, where's your press pass? Give me that camera. Hmm. I mean, I had rung up in advance because I thought I don't want to have my camera to, uh, taken off me. Mm. Um, and yeah, basically, they were 
I was just amazed. Although I did forewarn my mate. I said, most of the time when I have this camera slung around my neck, somebody somewhere will stop me. So lo and behold, I was right. Um, but you sit in, and the big thing that really surprised me is it wasn't full. Really? There were loads of empty yeah. seats. Loads London of them. London wasn't either. There was an entire row behind me and my mate, uh, oh, which only had three people that. on it. That's interesting. Wow. Yeah, it was not at all uh, burst at the seams. And there was this guy sat behind me, and I jokingly said to him, all right, mate, who... Um, I said, it's either me and my me and my pal, or you and your pal, and we look like, do we stink or something? Because there's nobody sat here, and we we're just discussing stuff. And I was saying, uh, you know, should be a good show because I'd actually, where I was sat, I I tried to get seats further forward, um, thinking I'd get a better view, but I actually got an absolutely perfect view of the stage, so I did well. Um, but the guy behind me had said that he'd only bought his ticket the day before. Mm. And did he get gouged or did he pay a good price? No, he, he would, I think he just bought them normally from what he said through um, Ticketmaster, no issues. Ooh. Yeah, because they definitely, they definitely didn't sell out, which did really surprised me, yeah. actually. Um, yeah, because I wondered, because the London venue, I'm not going to go straight on to London, but no, it's okay. this is a comment regarding that. Um, the London venue actually got changed. Yeah, I saw that. Yeah, because originally, yeah, it was supposed to be at one place and then it was at uh, the O2 Arena, but it was at the Indigo in the O2. So it was kind of like a little, it was almost like a kind of, I say a comedy, you know, like if somebody's doing like stand-up comedy kind of thing, mm-hmm. it's one of those kind of places. So it was very nice though, it's very nice. A couple of hundred seater. Uh, I'd say at least a couple thousand, actually. Yeah. But yeah. Oh, right. So still quite, still quite sizable then. Yeah. Yeah. Because there was an upstairs as well as um, a downstairs. So. Yeah. Because yeah. the Apollo is vast. It's a very, I mean, it's old. It's an old sort of theatre. It's a vast, vast building to be in. Um, yeah. I saw the Impractical Jokers there. Yeah. Yeah. I, I was astounded that, as I said, empty rows, you know, you're thinking. In fact, on the well, if I really think about it, the row I was on, with Luke, I'd sort of three or four seats empty on that. Um, to his side, on my side, it was a bit, a uh, bit, bit more people. And in front of us, it turns out there's somebody off Coronation Street, but I don't actually watch Coronation Street, so it was lost on me. Somebody else informed that me of that. I've no idea who it was though, so don't, don't, <laughs> can't give you any more information. No, um, I don't watch Coronation Street either, so no. <laughs> um, but an incredibly well done show. Uh, it was brilliant seeing um a shot from uh the reboot film which obviously yes. no mention of that will uh we've made of what's in it no uh, but uh, i also got to see that shot yeah, as well yeah so yeah. yeah uh very angry actor in it that's all i'm gonna say um very angry very angry i don't think i don't think he was acting personally i think just a very angry person <laughs> I don't remember shooting. Uh, it was an angry person, and um, also there was like a really quiet guy in it as well, wasn't mm. there? Yeah. yeah, and a, a slim guy. Yeah, uh, yeah, that was it. Yeah, well, two slim guys actually. Um, yeah, but uh, the thing that I don't know if you found it at your show that you went to, Gemma, but a very, very attentive audience. No issues with heckling. Every, I mean, that's the one thing that really, really impressed me because from the Birmingham show, I'd heard there'd been issues with uh, some drunk person heckling Ralph uh, quite a lot. 
and you, you're wondering because in the queue, in fact, in the queue in front in front of me, uh, there were people getting a bit tipsy before they'd even got in. But everybody's very well behaved. No hitches with the show, um, and it. I, I commented on this on um, on uh, certainly on Twitter. It's a bit of a pinch yourself moment. The whole thing because for me it was a bit of an out of body experience because you're thinking I have I listen to this every week and I'm getting to see it and for me it was brilliant to see Kev doing his microphone stuff um, yeah and doing his uh, his um, let's for be honest for one for a better word wank dance yeah. <laughs> It was also like it was quite fun to watch um, Ralph's face change when he was yeah. doing different impressions <laughs> as well, which was just—it's like insane to think that his face changes, yeah. but it actually does to like produce whatever yeah. voice he's trying to do. So yeah, but yeah, and um, it's, it's interesting to see somebody do that. And I have to do that when I do stuff as well. You sometimes have to completely contort your face, um, but. So it all went without a hitch, no pro, you know, brilliant experience. I'd say to anybody who can get a chance to see uh, Hollywood Babylon live to do it. So anyway, it finishes, and I said, right, I've got to tell my mate Luke, I've got to go and get my microphone, I've got to find it. And that was, they, they were very good to me, the staff, they prepared uh, in advance, they'd already got it, and this guy who'd um, dealt with it just handed it over to me. And I said, well, I understand you've got to follow the rules and everything. And I said to one of the security guys, I said, I have interest. Can we still get uh, any of the merchandise? He goes, yeah, yeah, still for sale. Just go around the corner. So I've got myself a brilliant uh, poster. Um, yeah. Yeah, um, which is uh, it's Eric Fluger's stuff, I think, isn't it? Who He will have done that, and that's a really good poster. Um, and then, so we step out of the building, and I'm going, right, how do because we, we were meeting my, my old man was good enough to drop me and my friend off so my mate was going we'll, we'll go around we'll have to go around there but you'll have to ring you down and I said right I said the chances are next to nothing so but we know where the the bus is parked um, and we know where the door you know the stage door is why don't we just give it a shot and see what happens so my mate and I went walked down there's a lot of people stood out there and I said look we probably won't see anybody but we might as well Take the shot, see what happens. Oh my goodness, what was that noise? Me, car maybe. Oh, okay. Okay, no, no worries, sorry, it was just really loud. So I was just like, what the hell? So it was like either somebody's um, stomach <laughs> rumbling or my God. I think it's <laughs> yeah. probably somebody with a very big exhaust and a car or motorbike, and my windows are shut, which is even more shocking. Yeah. Um, so we go down there, and the big thing is the guys are going, right, come on, move back, everybody. We've got to get the set out. Now, I kept thinking there'll be no set for this, but it looks like they must take the desk or something with them wherever they go. It was a very strange thing, because a few things did come out that must have been part of the stage. And I, and then I'm thinking, right, time's ticking away. It's from like quarter past ten, so I thought, right, this probably is going to happen. And I turned to my mate, and I said, I don't think anything's going to happen with this. And then suddenly... I recall my eye, I spot, because uh, there was a barrier with a lot of people there, and you could only just see the people, one Mr. Kevin Smith, who oh, wow. is, a, is a hell of a lot shorter than I thought he'd be. Um, yeah. And I honestly couldn't almost see him, so I thought, right, I'm going to have to, because like, all these people from me, I thought, right, I'm going to have to be a bastard with this one, aren't I? And I had a copy of um, his autobiography, so I thought, right, um, 
let's just see. So I sort of like muscled my way to the front. I said, uh, Kev, could you sign this book of yours by any chance? And he just sort of looked a bit surprised at it and signed it. <laughs> well, did he look surprised or was it just like a Kevin Smith face? No, it, it was it was it was like he was trying to process what he was looking at. Oh, okay. for, a, Fat Kev. for a second, he, he, he honestly looked, he was like, eh? and then obviously worked oh. and just signed it. So my mate seemed to smile. So I handed it to my mate because um, he was holding on to my bag. And then I thought, right, let's see what else I can do with this. So I manoeuvred myself to another point, had a chat with him. Uh, and so he was going around talking to people. And Jim will be happy with this one, as will you, I'm sure, Andy. I said, oh, by the way, you got me into podcasting. And he seemed really impressed. He was saying, that's great. No, good to see you being productive. And I said, can I get a picture with you? Is <laughs> that exactly what he Something said? Something of that sort. He said, like, yeah, it's good. It's uh, Glad you're being productive, mate. Well, yeah, <laughs> job on. Maybe not exactly like that. I had a heart attack, like, uh, yeah, you know, it, about a year ago. Yeah. <laughs> it was something like, you know, like, good to see you producing, you know, the, you know you're producing something. Yeah, he probably, he probably went a bit more more like oh wow mate that's amazing he wasn't that bouncy on that bit oh wasn't he oh okay. no hey, it was more of a stone like yeah well yeah done, yeah, yeah basically more like that um <laughs> well uh, done you and everybody do. yeah. <laughs> yeah. and i said can i get a picture with you and he goes oh, well i've got to get around everybody else but i'll cause you stay right there i'll come back to you and what impressed me is he went around everybody and he said, right, first row's done. So these, he goes, now it's on to pictures. Um, if you want your picture taken with me, um, give me your phone. I'll do it. Da, da, da. And he went around doing that. But when he came to me, I had to be different. I said, I'm going to need my mate to take this because I'm my full camera there. And again, took the picture. And what he did do that really impressed me is we had a little chat about something uh, to do with me. Um, and he looked very surprised and gave me a big hug. So I thought Aww. it was very nice of him. Um, and I chat me about some other stuff and then went on his way. And my abiding memory is that as uh, I... Well, A, he said, if you, if you want the picture doing again, we can do it. But I was happy with that. And my abiding memory is I got around the front of the Apollo and I just turned to my mate. I said, this is so... I'm like, I said, this is just like not sinking in. I said, I cannot believe I met Kevin Smith. I was absolutely just... It, it, yeah. Yeah, very hard to put into words because for someone, you know, I've met a reasonable amount of famous people, but Kevin Smith has always been a big person on the bucket list for me. Uh, yeah. And I've done quite a lot of bucket list meeting of people this year and last year, but this is this is a biggie. This is a biggie. Awesome. And uh, you proved everyone wrong. You can meet your heroes. Yes. yes. Yeah, you can. And they're not... And, the the beauty is you if he's you meet a good one to meet yeah again he's a nice person because you don't you unfortunately do find sometimes that the people you want to meet who think are nice are complete git so yeah no I met I met Kevin at London Film and Comic Con one year and I know exactly what you mean when you say that you know like you can't put into words how you felt yeah um but. Yeah, it is like it's almost like a magical moment, isn't it? Yeah, it's like almost like being at Disneyland <laughs> for just like two seconds and doing everything. <laughs> I mean, I do understand that it's like it's the person's job 
I do get that, you know, that they've got to project an image, etc. But it ties into something Kevin Smith one himself once said in an interview, and it's when he was actually been in, he was doing well, he was doing an interview of Mark Hamill. He said, you know, these people are your bread and butter, so you've got to take the time to be nice with them and talk to them. And but he does come across as a genuine nice person, so and I like yeah. that. That was a good thing. So enough of me prattling on, Gemma. Well, I mean, show-wise and, you know, like Arrival Time and stuff like that, you know, it's all kind of very similar. Um, but in, like, the show wasn't, like, all the, uh, the shows are probably, you know, going to be slightly different. There's yeah. probably going to be as- aspects of, uh, same bits, but obviously not going to cover the show anyway, mm. because that's for them to do, isn't it? Uh, and the episodes will be released, but, yeah, it was what we did was we had. Um, Can I just check one thing with you? Your queue was absolutely humongous, wasn't it? I think to get in. Yeah, because I took pictures I, of I'd my queue. It was queue. actually probably as big as uh, your queue was. Right. It? Have you seen the yeah. pictures of mine? Yeah. No, I uh, haven't actually. There's some pictures. I only asked because I saw. I took some pictures of my queue. The queue I was in, all of it. But I saw some. I think video or pictures from London, yeah. and it looked wow, big, big. Yep. Ben, um, Ben Gummery. Yeah. yeah. He did a video of, uh, the queue. And, and yeah, that it, it was huge, but at the same time, it moved quite quickly. It mm. said, obviously, you've got to go through bag security yeah, and yeah. all that kind of jazz. Um, which, you know, I'd rather wait that bit of extra time mm. and actually, you know, know that I'm going to be safe when I get in there. You know yeah. what I mean? Um, I don't know if that's. Whereas when they check my bag, what's with this camera, mate? Yeah. Well, yeah, but then they've got to think of the artist as well. Correct, they, yeah, they, yeah. Yeah. Um, but I think also, like, being a small-town girl in a big city, I kind of have that extra, like, that I think, ooh, I'm a bit nervous. That you know, could be and I a do song, get very anxious it? in London. I think that um, could be a song, small-town girl, big city. It might be. Time to get writing. <laughs> yeah. I think I think it's already been covered. <laughs> Living in a lonely world. <laughs> I was thinking of Uptown Girl, but there we go. Uptown Girl as well, yeah. Um, but yeah, anyway, so we actually did a little meet up beforehand. So some of the Garmy actually met up before at TGI Fridays, which was within the O2 complex. Mm-hmm. And I then had. Well, the bartender, because I, w- I was intended on getting two drinks because the bartender took so long to come to me. I was just like, oh, you know what? I'm just going to get two and then I don't have to worry about queuing up again. You know, it was, it was mental. So he said to me, oh, do you want just regular size or do you want large? And I went, oh, well, I may as well have large. You know, I'm on, I'm on holiday. I'm going <laughs> to get shit face. Give me more booze. <laughs> oh, no, I didn't, I didn't want to get shit face because again, I was in London. I was nervous. Um, nah. I wanted to have my wits about me, but, um, there was someone who'd been to Birmingham who actually posted on Facebook. They'd shown video from it and they said, it's a picture. I can't remember the show. So they must have got so drunk. Yeah. Oh, well, they can. Yeah. I, I, no, I never wanted to do that because this was something that I've been waiting for for yeah. a long time. So, uh, and, uh, you, you guys have seen the pictures of my, uh, glasses that I had, which were <laughs> literally like tank, well, it was bigger than tankards, not tankards. The size of a human head. Well, they, they were though, but like when I was picking, when I lifted them up, they were so heavy. 
It was ridiculous. She could have been curling with them. <laughs> yeah, I could have. I could have easily have done that. So, yeah, so obviously had to pose for a photo and have the two straws in my mouth at the same time. And actually, the cocktails together did taste quite nice. But separately, <laughs> not so much. Um <laughs> <laughs> What a truly strange drink they must have been. Yeah. And I went out and I went out for a cigarette as well and then um covering all the vices, I like it, go on. Yeah. Smoking, yeah. drinking. Yeah. And like a friend um a now you know, a now real life friend, but also uh, a podcast listener as well, or a new podcast listener, should I say, um is uh Graham, who uh, I met there. And again, like I said, I've been speaking back and forth with him online but hi graham has to put put a face to the name and uh yeah he turned around to me and he goes oh um you know if you hang out with us i think kevin's actually going to be brought in by security and we're going to kind of tag along if we can and i said oh <laughs> but i've got <laughs> oh but i've got a burger inside <laughs> So, because I'd ordered food, so I, I was like really trying to weigh up. I was like, You're torn I, between food, yeah, Kevin, food or Kevin, food or Kevin, food or Kevin, yeah. And um, I actually chose food, and I said, and I, as I went in, I did actually say to Graham, please, can you, um, if you do meet Kevin, can you tell him that some bird just uh, chose a burger over you? <laughs> but I don't know if it ever happened. Right. So, <laughs> Graham, can you just uh, tweet us and let us know? Yeah. Yes. Let yes, us know. Do. Oh, he'll have to Facebook us because he's not on Twitter. So, but yeah. Graham, get on Twitter. Well, one other quick question, Gemma. <laughs> you, you mentioned yeah. with Graham, it was a friend in real life. Just so I know, what what's that like? Oh, <laughs> I'm sure you have got friends in real life because you said that you also went to the show with a friend in real life. So. Yeah, but he, he could be like the Tyler Durden. <laughs> I don't know, that reference goes over the top of my head. Andy? Do you get it? Uh, no, yeah, that, that F-16 went screaming over my head as well. <laughs> That's right. Fight Club. Oh, okay, I get it. <laughs> yeah, because I, re- I don't remember character names. I remember films, but I don't remember character ah, names. So he, Yeah, he's, yeah. He, he could be my Fight Club person. Anyway, we digress. Yes. Uh, yes, so basically just went in, watched the show. Um, we two hung around outside to kind of see if they would come out. And they did eventually, but a group of us actually went back into the O2 to see, because like, there was like an indoor place that they could have come out as well. So yeah. a few of us were waiting there as well. Like, see, we couldn't do that. Yeah, we couldn't do that because literally, they were cu- once they moved us out, they must, I think, legally, there's going to be a point when they've got to be shut. So the Apollo was just like literally closing up and moving. Once it moved her about, you're just closing up. I think it was different, though, in our sense, because it wasn't, like, if it was the main O2 arena, it would have been exactly the same. Right. But actually, because it was like a little, well, when I say little room, it was a big little room on the offside sort of thing, Um, which, you know, like, you can still at any time walk around the O2 Mm -hmm. and go to, like, the restaurants, the pubs and whatnot. So I think that's why it was different. So is that the dome, then? Yes. Yes, it was. Can I ask you a question, Gemma? Mm -hmm. Uh, With regard to the, the, uh, the, I should say concert, but that's not the right word, is it? The the show. Uh, Mm -hmm. Did Rafe get Garmy, Garmy, Garmy? He did. See, we did. That didn't happen at Manchester. We're not allowed to call him Rafe. No, we're not. Or Frank. We're going to get onto that. (laughs) But I've got a couple of a, a couple of remarks. Okay, 
I've kind of so, I'm kind of finished with regards to the last. Oh, day. Sorry. No, 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 it's fine. And literally, the last thing that I was going, the last two things that I was going to say was um, I gave a load of podcast cards away, and um, it was actually becoming a theme of the evening where I was going after I'd had a couple of drinks and I was a little bit tiddly and giggly. I was going, and you get a card, and you get a card, and you get a card. <laughs> oh well, thank God you you weren't that roses person who wanders around the the restaurant making everyone feel uncomfortable no she's tending to oprah winfrey (laughs) (laughs) no it was it was all in fun everybody knew it was all in fun and everything and we've i think we've eventually gained quite a few listeners because of it so excellent and the other point that i was going to make and this is like maybe should have been one of my codswallops this week the o2 arena you'd think Having an O2 phone, you'd be able to get mobile reception. I could not get mobile reception in the O2. <laughs> Dear me. <laughs> How oh, that's a fail. Epic fail. Epic, Epic fail. fail. Anyway, sorry, Andy, your your questions? No, no questions, just remarks, really. Just um, how different experiences are. Hmm. So, like, the first one's like, it's never occurred to me going to a large venue about personal security. Like, you know, oh, a, you know, a bomb could go off. Duh, 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 duh. Hmm. But, you know, you know, I go through the security checks and they're just, they're just there. Hmm. So it doesn't give me any sense of extra sense of security. But then you're a city boy, aren't you? No, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a suburbs boy. I don't, like you, I don't like London hmm. uh, and Birmingham. I don't like centres of kind of, you know, like city centres, yeah. crowded spaces. Um, I'm not. Not a big fan, I must say. No. Um, but London is dirty and expensive anyway, so I just it, it frustrates me. Um, but you know, I do sometimes in you know, walking down the street, I would be a little bit more aware of my surroundings. But sometimes I I completely phase out. But but no, it's just interesting that it's different perceptions of of our, of our surroundings. Mm. So because yeah. it's never it's never occurred to me. I've been through plenty of bag searches going into arenas. Mm. And it's just like oh. You know, normally they're just trying to confiscate my lighters. Well, we yeah. with the Apollo, the Manchester Apollo, it's very much on the outskirts, so you're not within the centre of the city. Um, mm. And as I guess, like you said, Gemma, because it's a specific set thing rather than the, the so you know the, it, it's specifically set for shows. Whereas what you were at was a bit different. Mm. The setup may be slightly different the way they do things. But I know a lot of the big push on searches, certainly after the MEN bombing. Um, yeah. They really ramped up there. Now there's no security. That's actually where I went to see the impractical jokers. Yeah. Metal detectors, etc. So it's a very yeah. different setup. Um, yeah. But then I was also going to say as well that um, you remember when there was the um, France shooting at the heavy metal yes. uh, gig? Literally the day after, I think it was. I think it was. I went Dorset again. Um, I actually went, I was actually in London the day after going to Wembley to go and watch something heavy metal. And as, as much as, like, I felt really safe actually because, like, when that kind of thing happens, cities go on high alert, don't you? Yes. So I actually yeah. felt really, really safe. But at the same time, you know, you do think, I'm actually putting myself into a situation that somebody died in yesterday. Hmm. You know, and it's it's a mind boggler. It's like you know, you're really trying to work out what yeah. am I actually doing here. You know, should I be here? <laughs> you know, again, that's that stuff just passes right over me. I I remember there was um, I was in Brazil, 
And um, the day I was getting a flight, it was absolutely pissing down the rain. And um, not at the airport I was flying out of, but one nearby. A, one of the <coughs> airlines had gone straight off the, the tarmac. Oof. Um, different takeoff, oh not yeah. takeoff on landing, and went through the um, no, sorry, no, it was Sao pa- I think it was Sao Paulo the day before I was flying. A, a plane had gone off the runway. Mm-hmm. That didn't that didn't phase me at all. I think I think it's because I look at everything as a numbers game. Yeah, everything's a numbers game. So that old analogy of you could step out in the middle of the road and get hit by a bus. Yeah, I just think it just doesn't phase me. If it happens, it happens. I think that's the way I look at it as well. If it's going to happen. There's nothing really you can do. It's going to happen. So yeah, yeah. I and mean, then like, what I'm saying, like I'm not saying that I'm like ridiculously fearful that I'm never going to do these things. I will always do it, and I will always push myself to do it. I, you know, like I make it a mission in life to do things that scare me. Yes, sort of to a point. You know, I'm not going to go and swim with crocodiles. I know that's ridiculous, but at the same time, it's like you know you've got to kind of get on with your life, and but. I do have that air of caution with me as well. At the same time that I'm thinking, mm, that person could, or that person could do something else, you know, or whatever, you know. But mm. I suppose it's also that sounds really odd. It's, it's just very alien to thing to think of because the other alien thing as well was the pair of you went back, went to the backstage area mm. to the stage door. I would never think to do that. Mm. But then I followed a crowd. I probably didn't, I wouldn't have thought to do it myself. I followed people who were planning to do it. So I didn't necessarily think of that. Um, yeah. But even then, if I'll be like, oh, well, I'm eating the pop. See, I don't do it that <laughs> much, but I've become a bit better at doing those sort of things after doing cons. Um, so knowing the best places to go to and generally sort of mm. trying to, uh, where I can ingratiate myself with sort of staff and stuff, and I couldn't do it at that. But that, I mean, it was a fluke because I'm being very serious. If if I'd gone oh balls to this and left <laughs> five minutes, you know, five minutes before, Kev, you know, within five minutes, Kev would have appeared. I would have just gone off, oh, screw it, and gone home. So it's just perseverance. I'm thinking, look, I want to meet this guy, and I will, uh, I'll hang around for a bit. But Ralph, who I also wanted to see. To be honest, he'd come out <laughs> so late. I was actually at home and in bed <laughs> when he'd when he'd appeared. I just seen a, a tweet come up on the first, or not a tweet, something on Facebook come up, uh, and yeah. So he'd obviously you know had a lot of other stuff to do. Now speaking of Ralph, it's a good segue there. Tell us about the Ralph meetup. The Ralph Report, sorry, meetup. So, yeah, so the next day there was the, um, because Ralph, for anybody who doesn't know, Ralph has got his own podcast on Patreon, which is a daily podcast, basically, and it's called The Ralph Report. So basically he put together like a little meetup for the following day after the London show because it was his first day that he actually wasn't doing anything. So he wasn't like prepping for the show and Mm -hmm. making sure all of the emails that he needed to read out and whatnot were printed off, you know, all that sort of stuff that as a, as an audience member, you don't think or see what is actually going into it, you know? And that was an interesting thing mentioned at our show, because yeah. Kev had spent the day wandering around um, Manchester, and mm-hmm. he commented on all these shops and things he'd gone to, and he said, oh, I'm going to spend another day here. I'm not going to go up tomorrow uh, for the next show. 
And he said to Ralph, come on, spend the day with me. And Ralph said, no, I've got to go and write everything. You know, I've got to pull stuff together. I don't want to be able to just go shopping. So. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, so, yeah, so he arranged a um, meetup and it was at, it was at a Hilton hotel. And I was like, oh my God, so this is going to be super expensive. But how often do you get to, hmm. you know, meet somebody that, you know, you really, like, I really admire him. Mm-hmm. You know, like, it's not like a fandom type thing, but it is, I really have got a strong admiration for him. So, um, so went in there. Well, actually, first of all, I went to a, cause I was on my own. I, again, I seem to do all of life on my own, really, it seems. Nothing wrong with that. No, it's true. No. At least you get to do what you want to do. Because, like, I went around Covent Garden and had a little potter around and did a few touristy stuff, you know, while I was waiting for... Because it started at five o'clock, so... Uh, I found a pub that was just behind, so I thought, oh, a bit of Dutch courage. But also, I didn't want to be the first person there being Billy No Bates, you know, kind of thing. Mm-hmm. So got a message from a few people saying, you know, there's actually quite a gathering of us now. So I just wandered across. And yeah, and it was it was really nice because like all of the people like over the last over those two days that I met mm-hmm. were really, really nice people. Everybody was we were all just interacting. It's kind of like have you either of you ever been to an amp moot? I haven't, no. No. No, okay. So it's kind of like, it was almost like, it was fantastic that Ralph was there. And also Steve Ashton, who is part of the Ralph Report as well, he was also there. But if they hadn't have been there, the environment that we had, you know, like the, the chatting and the bonding sort of thing that we were all doing mm. in the group would have still happened. You know, it was, it was really nice to actually have that feeling. I mean, we were all there to obviously meet Ralph. Yes. And that was the purpose for being there. But yeah, you could, you could sort of sense that this actually might have just happened naturally anyway. Maybe not at a Hilton that's really expensive, like I said. <laughs> and that's something I like though about also going to this event. I found the people yeah. were very, you know, you were in there with a very, well-behaved, very, you know, accepting audience, it would seem. Very friendly as well. People were, you know, there were no issues. I've been to concerts and things where you always get some noddy who's drunk or on drugs or whatever. That's like an idiot. We got none of that. Very well-behaved audience. Mm. Mm. Yeah, so um, I was up at the bar and I was ordering a cocktail. So the first cocktail that I had, I would take a picture of the cocktail. Uh, not the cocktail, but I may have done a smuggling thing and stolen the, uh, the, the item that the drink came into. Basically, it was a, um, oh, I'm actually looking at it now. So it's like an old fashioned kind of rum bottle, but they'd carved out of it so that it was like a glass. But yeah, anyway, I'll take a photo of it so you cool. guys can see it. But basically, cool. yeah, so I did a bit of smuggling, you know, I, I thought, oh, I've got to steal that. Um, yeah, met Ralph. I was very nervous before meeting him. Understandable, um, though. Yeah. And I was speaking to Steve Ashton because, like, you know, I've got sort of become friends with him and whatnot. So that was quite nice. But he was saying, are you OK? Because, like, when he was asking me questions, I wasn't answering him properly. Like... It was almost like my brain was elsewhere. I couldn't really speak properly. And I just said, oh, Steve, I'm so sorry. I said, I'm just so nervous. And, you know, he obviously understood. And But then 
Ralph has got some sort of magic power. It's almost like his superpower that he literally just came downstairs and he started chatting away to people. And it was just like literally that, that nervousness just lifted straight away. So he's very good at putting people at ease. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. And he was just, he was a really lovely guy. Yeah. And I kind of knew that he would be, hmm. but at the same time, it was really, really nice to actually meet him and, you know, and get to know him a little bit. There was another guy there who it was actually his birthday. I think his name was Mark. <laughs> he, um, he actually went up to the bar and he said, Oh, he wanted, um, to take one of the menus because he wanted to get everybody who was actually there to yeah. sign the menu. So he decided to do all that. <laughs> and he said, look, I'll pay, I'll pay like five pounds for it or whatever. And, uh, and the barman was like, nope, nope, you can't do it. You can't do it. So of course we did it anyway. <laughs> you might be best removing that, but yeah. Uh, no, no, because guess who gave him the idea to do it anyway? <laughs> I couldn't possibly, I could not even think who that could be. I am quite the devil when I've had a couple to drink. And, um, yeah, so basically we just like wrote loads of things in his book. Um, he then left it at my friend's house, but either way, it's gonna, uh, it's gonna be with him in the next couple of days, hopefully. But, awesome. yeah, it was, it's just a really good 48 hours. I really enjoyed myself. Good. I got to see my friend that lives in London as well, so that was nice. So, yeah, that was the icing on the cake. Excellent. Yeah, I think, I think that's it for me. I'm sure I've forgotten an awful lot of stuff, but, that was the highlights that I can remember right now. So, and there was a very interesting message that was uh, that was got, wasn't there? What, Gemma? A very interesting oh, message. Yeah. <laughs> I'm getting tired. I'm getting <laughs> sorry, guys. I'm getting tired now. But it's all right. I was thinking yeah. what we might end up doing is cutting this a bit short. This could be good because we've been doing this for a while. Cut, cut it a could bit be short. Good. Two hours. <laughs> no, but I'm saying we could be. This could be good. I can one. already do an hour, yeah. hour and twenty tonight, guys. No, I know, I know. Oh, I I'm not being nasty. What I'm saying is, this could be the best point to cut off at because we're discussing yeah. the whole of Babylon stuff, um, and we yeah. could use the the stuff some other time or something. But um, yeah, yeah the, but yeah, I did manage to. What James is alluding to yeah. is the fact that. Um, as you may or may not have heard on the episodes that James likes to refer to Ralph Garman as Frank or <laughs> Rafe or, or, uh, yeah. sometimes. Now, for context, what this comes from is the fact that the Hollywood Babylon podcast has a uh, musical section, musical sessions introducing each part. And at one stage when it came to, you know, uh, this is Hollow Babylon with Kevin Smith and Ralph Garman. The person who puts them together referred to him as Frank. Yes. Several times. A long-running joke that's gone through this has been referring to him as Frank. It also reminds me of something very interesting uh, that mm -hmm. happened within the show. Just as a quick uh, sidebar, as they say. Um, uh, one what, of the people... Side the Andy bar. <laughs> a side Andy bar, yeah. <laughs> Uh, I think oh, I was going to say I think hey, you've lost Andy on, at wait, this point hang on just th this is quite a momentous moment for the listeners because I didn't God. make that pun no I did yeah it's become catching clearly <laughs> um so every once in a while, that well, the 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 uh, the musical bit they go into the um, the sections. Um, I think if memory serves me, it was the Kevin's reactions uh, the email stuff. 
the guy who actually made that was in the audience with us. Oh, was he? He was uh, about uh, a row behind me. He's from Manchester, the, uh, the guy. And, yeah, he was actually in the audience. Very cool guy to have there. Nice. Yeah, pretty cool to have that one. But, yeah, that's the thing. So, uh, Ralph is was mistakenly called Frank, and there's been an ongoing joke about that. And Ralph also gets very annoyed about people who have either very strangely misspelled names or pronounced names. And... The pronunciation of Ralph as Rafe seems to particularly annoy you. Yes. <laughs> well, I had sent a, a, a text to Gemma saying, if Frank is about, please say hello from me. Or hello. And... I did one better. <laughs> she did much... I she This was baseball. She knocked that ball out of the park. <laughs> I basically... Uh, I went up to... To Ralph and I said to him that can you do me a massive favor <laughs> I said <laughs> my uh you know like obviously explain I explained that you call him Frank and I said you know obviously that's a joke and he he chuckled at it but um I was like in your angriest voice <laughs> can you please do a video of uh of you reprimanding James and telling him that he's not that Ralph's not going to come onto the podcast unless you apologize <laughs> Which, um, yeah, I'll probably put the video clip up. Well, as long as James doesn't mind, of course. No, I don't mind. Uh, I lost my, I lost my shit when I saw that. I was yeah. absolutely just, God, oh, God, just actually laughing about it. <laughs> yeah. I, I honestly don't think it gets any better than this for us to uh, to sign off at this point. I think we are finishing on the ultimate high. Yep. Speak for yourselves. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, poor Andy hasn't had anything to say in the last 25 minutes. Sorry, Andy, is there anything you'd like to say or bring in? Is there anything you'd like to discuss to cap it off? All I can say is, Gemma, um, I really appreciated the, the offer to go with you, um, but I, th- I wouldn't have enjoyed it as much as you two. It sounds like you two had an absolute blast. Yeah. That's all right, and yeah. also i i um I got to sell like I got to sell my spare ticket anyway, and the guy you know like i I mean obviously it would have been lovely to have had you there, and I think you would have enjoyed yourself to be honest, but because you like you don't really you don't, you don't listen to the show or whatever, so you you probably would have gone into it blind hmm. blind sort of you know, but I think you would have enjoyed i think it's quite your personality to be honest. In true Codswallop fashion, on that note, we have been talking enough Codswallop today. I have been Gemma. (laughs) I've been James. I've been Andy. And we've been talking Codswallop. You did this with your mouth. Like, you talked yourself into this. Well, if you're interesting at all, you should do a podcast. I was doing a radio show for years before I podcasted it. I don't think people realise just how liberating and freeing inspiring podcasting can be yeah even just walking into to any genre of podcasting you're walking into community the reason podcasts connect so much is it feels more personal what we learn pretty quickly is that only one or two percent of the people who listen ever donate most people don't people are used to free media advertising support media at the moment podcasting for us isn't a business and it's not designed to be a you know running something as a business or being paid doesn't always mean dollars, pounds, euros. It can be payment in another way.
One Voice, One Mic, a short documentary about the rise of podcasting, coming 2019. Plug in, record, send it to iTunes, boom, congratulations, you're a podcaster.